One woman woke up during the night, found out that her, well, she noticed her husband wasn't in the bed next to her, and so she went to the kitchen and found him there drinking a cup of coffee and just kind of staring at the wall. And she noticed a tear was running down his cheek. In this special moment, she just wanted to know what was, what was going on. She said, what are you thinking about? And he didn't even look at her. He just kept staring at the wall. He said, you remember when we started dating and you were just 16 years old? She said, yeah, I remember. He said, you remember when your daddy caught us in the backseat of my car? She said, yeah, I remember. And he put that shotgun in my face and he said that you're either going to marry my daughter or you're going to spend the next 20 years in prison. She said, I remember. Another tear slowly ran down his cheek. He said, I would have gotten out today. <laughs> it's not supposed to be like that, y'all. Just saying. This morning I want to share a message with you called The Blessed home and it's a series that we're going to begin today and in this first message there are some key principles that we really have to know before we can go to the other messages but the blessed home I'm going to start with Psalm 67 verses 1 and 2 it says God be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us you know what when God is merciful to you that means he's treating you better than you deserve. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Well, he does, whether you know it or not. I'll tell you, God is so good to us, does not treat us as our sins deserve. He blesses us. And I want, want you to know, when, when God blesses you, you got everything you need. And I'm just, not just talking about material things. I'm talking about blessings of love and joy and peace and contentment. There's a lot of things more important than stuff. But when his face shines upon you. It's all good. Amen. Verse 2, it's not just about us, see. It says, that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. God wants his people to be so blessed that others will see and want what we have. Amen. Now here he's talking to the nation of Israel, and he's talking about the other nations, but I think for us that we need to understand that our neighbors and our friends, acquaintances, co-workers, they ought to see the blessing of God on our lives, on our homes, and want what we have. God blesses us that way when we do what his word says. And I just want to encourage you this morning that that's the plan of God for you. He has good in mind for you. Our home shouldn't be just like anybody else's. It ought to be a place of refuge. It should be a place where the peace of God, the presence of God abides. But the sad truth is, is that many so-called Christian homes are pretty much just like everybody else's. Not really much difference. I don't think that really pleases the Lord. And I know that it's not God's best. Now, if you could pick, I mean, if you could just choose what your home was going to be like. I mean, it's like... Door number one, it's a happy marriage. Finances are blessed, the children obey, 
Some of you are thinking, that's fantasy. Children obey. There's divine protection over the home, divine health inside. There's peace. There's joy in this blessed home. Storms on the outside, but safety on the inside. I mean, it's a refuge from the turmoil of life. That's a blessed home. Door number two, you can pick if you want. Mom and dad can't get along. They both fight all the time with the kids, always struggling to pay the bills, strife and conflict, always wishing things were different, just struggling to hold it all together. Storms on the outside, but even bigger storms going on the inside. Sometimes they just want to get out of the house so they can have a moment of peace. Which one do you pick? Oh, we all know the right answer. Oh, we want that blessed home. Amen. But we need to hear the word of the Lord this morning and how that happens in our life, in our home. If we want the blessing of God on our home, then we have to put the Lord first in our homes. I don't think a lot of people really understand this, but God won't be second. He just won't. He won't be second in your life. He won't be second in your home. The scripture tells us in Exodus 20 and 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You know, it's strange to me. So many want a preacher to do their wedding and they want to say vows before God, but then they don't think the Lord is important enough to even bother to go to church. That's not real. They don't have time for God. Not room in their relationship for God. On a daily basis. I'm just telling you, God has to be first. A lot of people say that he's first, but when you consider the way they live their lives, he's not really. In fact, so often it's things that are first. It's about a little more, a little newer, nicer, better, bigger. But you know what? We all know this. You can have all the money in the world, but if your home is a wreck, you're miserable. I mean, just look at the rich and famous. You know, they, we see them on TV or on the internet, and, you know, they're smiling that pretty smile, and they look so happy, and a few days later you're reading about they're getting a divorce. I'm just telling you, the world doesn't have the answers. And the rich and famous, see, a lot of people, they get all wrapped up in that. They think, oh, if I just had a little more. No, no, no. If your home is a wreck, you'll still be miserable. Doesn't matter how much stuff you have. But Jesus said in Mark 26, beginning from verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Jesus labels this one. He says, God and money, because he knew that that was such a heart problem for so many people that money, that stuff, material things gets put before God too much of the time. It becomes a God in their life. But I want to tell you, it's not just about money. See, you can't serve God and pleasure. You can't serve God and self. It's not about what you want. I'm telling you that if we're going to really serve God, we have to make that choice that he is, one, he is first in our life. Jesus goes on in this passage, and he tells us not to worry about our life. 
what we're going to eat or drink. In fact, he goes on three times he tells us not to worry. I want to tell you that when God is first in your life, you don't have to worry. Oh, well, God's first in my life. I can just quit my job because preacher said I don't need to worry about it. That's not what I said. I said you don't need to worry. God's got it under control. He says your father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask. He says the pagans, they're running after all these things. Don't act like a pagan if you're a Christian. If God is first in your life, you don't have to run after things. God will bless you. He'll help you. He'll take care of you. You don't have to worry and fret and be upset all the time. But here's where it ends up. It's verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Amazing promise from Jesus. Anybody believe the promises of Jesus? I do. He says, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. See, a lot of people think that if they really put God first, you know, if they become one of those Christian fanatics, or you, you know, you're just going to miss out on so many things. Yeah, you're going to miss some things. Heartache, trouble, destruction, all kinds of pain, all kinds of turmoil in your life. Now, if you, I'm not saying that you're not going to have any storms. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But I'm just telling you, you're not going to miss out on anything good. The Bible says no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. You're not going to miss out. No, he's going to add all these things to you. That's the promise of his word. You don't do without because you're serving the Lord. I tell you, God will bless you. But he doesn't want us to worry about those things. He wants us to be able to trust him And you see, that blessing, it comes on our life, on our family, when we truly put God first. And, you know, when you make God truly first in your home, other people should be able to see that, that God is really first in your home. There may be a time when you have to tell the coach, my child won't be there because we're going to be at church. More and more in the time we're living in, they got the gall to schedule stuff on a Sunday? No way. No way. Somebody needs to stand up and say, no way. My child won't be there. I'll tell you, a lot of you, you ought to just get bold and say, you know what? Wednesday night, my child's going to be at church. Oh, but they're going to suffer that my poor child will miss out. You are so wrong. I'm telling you, God is able to bless your child with opportunities, with favor, to make a way for them. See, that is nothing but the fear of man and caving in to the pressures of this world when the Scripture says God has to be first. And other people, you know what that coach will know about you? Now, they may say, well, they're crazy. I want to tell you what that coach will know about you, that God is first. They're not. God is first. You know who else will know that about you? Your kid. Your kid will know that God really is first to you. Your kid needs to know. 
that God really is first to you. He's more important than football, basketball, baseball, volleyball. He's more important than going hunting, fishing, and playing golf. Hello. More important than going to the lake. Here's, here's where, I, you know, you just got to try real hard. I, mean, I know I probably already put some of you off, but just, just try. Just try to stay with me. He's more important than a 4.0. He's more important than a Ph.D. Hey, I didn't say that wasn't a good thing. No, that's great. I hope every one of your kids are valedictorian. I don't know how that will work out, but... Listen, I'm just saying, I I hope they all get degrees and are super successful in business and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. I'm just telling you that God is more important than a 4.0 or a PhD. And you need to keep the priorities straight. See, God is able to help your kid make a 4.0 and get the PhD. Where do we get this stuff that if we go the Lord's way, you know, we're just going to have a substandard life? That is a deception of the enemy. That's not the truth of God's Word. No, He blesses us when we truly put Him first. But kids, watch your actions more than they listen to your words. Are you listening to me? Anybody ever said that? Listen, they might not be listening, but they're watching. So many parents don't understand why the kids drop out of church when they leave the house Much of the time, it's because even though their parents took them to church, their actions showed them that the Lord was not really very important. According to a 50-year study of Christian and non-Christian family homes, most young adults, young adults who follow Christ either came from a non-Christian home or from a home where they grew up in love with Jesus, where their their parents passionately served the Lord. This is pretty wild. I know it's kind of sobering to hear, but the chances are better for a young person from a non-Christian home to really serve God as a young adult than for one that comes from a lukewarm, apathetic Christian family because they've learned that God is not that important. And I'm challenging you this morning to truly put God first in your home and let your kids know that God is first. They will be blessed for it. C.S. Lewis once said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It's either all or nothing. I mean, it's, it's either everything or it doesn't matter. And if the scriptures are true, then we need to give it everything we've got. But let's not play Christian. It's either true or not. And if it is true, it's the most important thing in the world. It's not about having a bunch of rules or being religious. It's about teaching our children to love Jesus. And Jesus says that if we love him, John 14, 23, we'll keep his word. If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And that's the next. If we want the blessing of God in our home every day, we need to obey the Word of God. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus gives us a wonderful illustration to help us understand what happens when we obey the Word of God and when we don't. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You can build your home on the rock. 
And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now this passage certainly is not speaking exclusively about our home life. No, it applies to every area of our life that we do the Word of God. But oh, how fitting it is in our home life that if we want our home to stand through the storms, we need to live by God's Word. Here's the thing. Storms come to everybody. Everybody has storms. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Everybody has storms. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I'll tell you, when we live by the word of God, Jesus tells us that our home is going to be standing after the storm. It's going to... It's going to endure through the storms of life. But when we hear the word, see, it doesn't matter if you claim to be a Christian, you go to church a little bit, and you know what the Bible says. If you don't do it, it's going to all come down. You don't have that divine protection over your home. No, we need God's blessing on our home. And that happens when we obey the word of God. You know, the scripture has so much to say about marriage and about raising children and about all kinds of relationships. And we need to be hearing and applying that scripture in our life every day. For the most part, it's amazing to me, but most believers will go and get a secular book to learn how to do marriage better or to raise their children instead of going to the scripture. What is going on that the church is embracing the teaching of the world rather than the Word of God? The Word has so much to say about how to do these things. And it's when we apply those scriptures in our life and we live by the Word of God that our home is going to stand through the storm. You know, one of the ways we do this is we read or we get this from here and that from there and you know we just kind of wing it and do the best we can that sounds good you know I'm doing the best best I can Proverbs 14 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death you see we, we can think I'm doing the best I can I think this is right here's how you know what's right The way to storm-proof your home is to obey the Word of God. You know, in America today, we have a Bible more available than ever before, not only that most of us have multiple copies of the Word of God, but we've got it on our phone. You can look it up on the Internet. I mean, you can Google any scripture, anything you want. Can't find that verse? Just Google. I'll tell you it's there. But here's the amazing thing is that even though it's so readily available, so many people don't even know what it says about the home and about marriage and family, much less apply it in their life and live it out. If you want the blessing of God on your home, 
you got to obey the Word of God. Here's what Jesus said about obedience. Just one passage. There's many times that he talks about obedience. But in Luke 11, 27 and 28, Jesus was saying these things. And a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. (laughs) There's a whole lot of people through the centuries that have thought the same thing. Oh, Mary was so blessed. Yes, she was. But I want you to hear what Jesus says in verse 28. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Jesus says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. See, we live in this time where in the church culture of the day, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, we're under grace. I mean, this is grace church after all. It don't matter whether or not we obey God. That's not at all what the Bible teaches. Grace is so we can overcome our past, so that we can move on in victory and obey God. Paul says, how can we, who have died to sin, live in it any longer? He says, shall we go on in sin so that grace may abound? What's he say? God forbid. No, that's not what grace is for. And Jesus makes it so clear that it's important that we obey. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the Word of God and do it. And we just need to give the Word of God its rightful place in our home. That this is our instruction manual for how to do life, how to do marriage, how to raise a family, how to handle your finances. This is our instruction manual. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 This is what it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Jesus quoted that one, didn't he? And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as front between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Are you teaching these things to your children? See, some people want the school to teach it to them because they're not doing it. Teach these things to your children. Listen, I'm all for the school doing it as long as I get to pick the teacher. You know what I'm saying? I don't want somebody teaching my kids false doctrine, telling my kids that God doesn't heal anymore, telling my kids they can't receive the Holy Spirit. No way. As long as we get to pick the teacher, I'm all for that. But here's the answer. Here's the solution for all of it. Here's what the Bible says about it. Parents, teach it diligently to your children. So I don't know the Bible. Listen, if you're a Christian parent, you need to get at it. Amen. Get, get you a child's Bible, you know, with the stories in it, but you start talking to your kid about the Scripture. You teach your kid the Scripture. You don't just count on the children's ministry down at the church. Listen, we got a fantastic children's ministry. But you know what? You're the primary one who's responsible for your child. Growing up, knowing the Lord, and knowing what the Bible says, 
Well, I didn't make this stuff up. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house. I'm telling you, the Word of God needs to be prominent in our home. It needs to be the reason that we do what we do. It is our guide for life. It tells us it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It tells you how to treat your spouse. How to handle finances. See, they don't, don't listen to Oprah for advice on marriage. How to raise your kids. You, you don't need to pick up some magazine at the checkout line. Oh, here's, here's an article, how to get your husband to do what you want him to do. That's garbage. Go to the scripture. Some people, you know, they see what the Bible says about... the about marriage and family and raising children. They say, oh, that's old, outdated stuff. The Word of God is true. Its principles are unchanging. And just because the world around us says it's outdated and that we don't need to listen to that anymore, that doesn't make it right. I'll tell you, the Bible says a lot of things that go directly across the grain of the culture of our day. But what they're doing ain't working. And this works. This is how you bring the blessing of God in your home is by living in obedience to God's word. It's so important that we obey what it says. I want to read to you from James chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. He says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Anybody want to agree there's a lot of filthiness and wickedness in this world? I mean, you just read the headlines one day, and it's depressing to see all the wickedness, all the filthiness in this world. But he tells us here, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I want you to know the word of God will clean you up. It will wash your brain. That's right. We need to get a little brainwashing. We don't need to think like this filthy world. We're supposed to be different. And the Word of God will help you do that. It'll help you get rid of all of that. But he says here, in the middle of that, he says, receive with meekness the implanted Word. You see, we've got to be humble enough, teachable enough, that when we hear the Word of God, listen, whether it's the preacher or we're reading it in the Scripture ourselves, however we get it, that we don't have this attitude. Well, that's not what I believe. That's not what I was taught. Well, that's not what I think. Okay. We've got to be meek enough when we hear the Word of God to say, I receive that. Receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word which is able to save our souls. We've got to be open to the word of God. And I want to clarify here. I'm not talking about the teachings of men. I'm not talking about somebody's opinion. I'm talking about clear scripture. When the Bible tells us something in a clear way that whether or not it goes along with the culture of the day, whether it or not it goes along with our opinion that we're willing to hear it and receive it as the Word of God. He goes on, he says, Be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any is a hearer 
of the word and not a doer. He's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. I just want to point out to you that he says that we have to be doers, not just hearers only, deceiving our own selves. You see, most of the time when people are disobeying the word of God, somehow they have justified, they have rationalized that they're an exception. It's that exception deception. They have deceived themselves. That's what the Bible says. When we're not doing what the Bible says, we have deceived ourselves. It's bad enough when somebody else deceives you, but when you're deceiving your own self... And again, I'm not talking about man-made rules. I'm talking about the principles of the Word of God. He says, if any is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He looks at himself, and then he goes away, and he forgets. Now, when you look in the mirror, there's a couple of things that happen. First of all, it shows you what you currently look like. Anybody, any of you guys, I know none of you women have ever done this, but any of you guys ever left the house without looking in the mirror? I have. I got somewhere later and I was like, man, what? I had that alfalfa thing going and not one person cared enough about me to tell me. And here's my point. We look in the mirror. The Bible will show you what your home should be. And it will show you what you should be as a husband or wife a young person, but it will also show you where you need to change. You look in that Bible, and it will speak to you. It will show you things, sometimes things that you didn't even want to know, but it'll show you things about yourself so that you can change. Listen to what it says in verse 25. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty, see, it brings freedom and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. I'm telling you, this parent is going to be blessed. This husband, this wife, they're going to be blessed. See, and this, again, this isn't just about the home. This is a truth that we can apply in every area of our life. When we obey the Word of God, he says, this one will be blessed in what he does. But it is our instructions for life so we know what we're supposed to do. Next, if we want the blessing of God on our home, we just ought to ask for it. How do you do that? You pray. Prayer is the most powerful thing that you will ever do because prayer is how you get God's help. It is how you bring the power of the Almighty into your life, into your home, into your world. Pray. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. So when you're going through a storm, pray. Listen, when things don't seem to be going right, pray. No matter how bad it looks, pray. No matter how long it's been this way, pray. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. Mark 10, 27. But prayer is always how we get the Lord's help. And I want to tell you, we can't do this on our own. We need God's help. 
Psalm 127 and 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. He's not talking about wood and bricks. You see, there, there's lots of houses right now being built all around this area. And you know what? With a lot of that, God probably doesn't have anything to do with it. But I'm talking about something that's much more real to us. I'm talking about your home without the Lord. See, we can do our very best. We can struggle and strive and do what we think is right. But without the Lord, he says, they labor in vain who build it. And prayer is how we ask God to help us. It's a game changer because it brings the power of God into our situation. And, you know, God, God has a way. You know, he doesn't take away somebody's free will, but he can turn a heart. He can deal with people and set people up for change. But somebody's got to be praying. It makes such a difference. You know, there's very little difference in the divorce rate of most Christians and the world but of Christian couples who pray together on a regular basis, the divorce rate is 1%. When you get God in the middle of your relationship, that's blessed. Prayer makes the difference. And every day you bring God into that relationship, into your home, that's a powerful thing because you're bringing the power of the Almighty into your home and into your relationship. If you want your marriage to last through the storms, ask for God's help. I'm telling you, he's a miracle worker. How many of you have ever heard of George McCluskey? Me and Carmen and Josh. That's good. You got to sit up here to know the right answers, y'all. That's not right. George McCluskey, when he got married... And he started to have children. He decided that he was going to pray over his family every day for an hour. And he prayed over his children every day. Over the years, he started praying over his children and his grandchildren. And then later, he was praying over his children, his grandchildren, and his great-grandchildren. So here's how the story goes. His two daughters committed their lives to Jesus and married men who went into the ministry. Those two couples produced four girls and a boy. Each of the girls married a minister, and the boy became a pastor. The first two children of the fourth generation were both boys. One became a pastor, the other didn't. He was the first descendant and the first boy in the family to not be a minister. I guess you could say he was the black sheep of the family. The black sheep pursued his own interest in psychology, and over the years he had a lot of success. He, He got his doctorate, and he wrote a book to parents that became a bestseller, and then he wrote another and another. And on and on it went. He eventually started a radio program that's now heard on more than a thousand radio stations a day. The Black Sheep's name, James Dobson. Anybody ever heard of James Dobson? In case you don't know, he is one of the most influential pro-family Christian leaders in America. And there's the Black Sheep of the family. How did all this start? How did this start with James Dobson? 
Because four generations ago, there was a man named George McCloskey that decided he was going to pray for his family every single day. I'm telling you, prayer is powerful. You want your home to be blessed, start praying. You got a husband that's a stinker, start praying for him every day. Listen, you got some kids that are heading the wrong way, fat, start praying for them every day. Prayer is so powerful because it brings God's help into the situation. The last thing I want to talk to you about this morning is that sometimes we just have to choose. Joshua told the children of Israel to choose who they were going to serve. You choose, he says, you choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, it's Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He said, you make up your own mind. But as for me and mine, we're going to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what the neighbors do. It doesn't matter what they do down at the schoolhouse. It doesn't matter what Hollywood does. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter what phony Christians do. We are going to serve the Lord. You got to make that decision. And for some of you, I know it's going to be a challenge today to make that kind of commitment. But you need to make that choice. You can't play Christian. You got to make up your mind to truly put God first, to obey His word, to pray and seek His help, and to choose to serve Him. You know, in our time, in Christianese, serve the Lord has kind of become synonymous with I'm a Christian. But to serve the Lord means that you obey Him. It means you work for Him. It means literally you serve Him. And we have to make that choice. Joshua told everybody else, you decide. But as for me and my house, I want you to realize he wasn't telling his children, well, you just decide for yourself. I'm really out here. I'm going against the grain. I don't care. I'm just telling you the way it is in the Scripture. I know what's popular. I know what the attitude is. Your 12-year-old doesn't want to go to church. Well, it's their choice. Well, they also want to go to a party where there's going to be a lot of drinking. Are you okay with that? No, they're not going to that party. But you can't make them go to church? Here's what I know. Yes, absolutely, everybody, every young person has to make their own choice to make Jesus the Lord of their life and live for God. Yes, they have to make that choice. One of the jobs of a parent is to make decisions for their child until they're old enough to make that choice themselves. Craziest time we live in where a seven-year-old wants to have, you know, have a sex change and the parents agree with that. But so many Christian parents think it's wrong to tell their 12-year-old, you're going to church. I want to tell you, you are blessed. 
You know what messes kids up spiritually? It's not because mama drugged me to church. What messes kids up spiritually and turns them away from the Lord is when their parents are hypocrites. But if you're living it real and you're telling your kid, no, we're going to church, this is important, I want to tell you, your kid will appreciate the fact that you took them to church. Don't you dare let them out and you keep driving. That don't work. What works is for you to show them that Jesus really is first, that you are serving the Lord with all your heart. And I'm telling you, if you do that, you make that total commitment to God, God's going to bless you. There's not a single verse in the Bible, not one, that says that you can be a Christian and live your life any old way you want. It just ain't in there. God wants all of you. He don't want 10% of you. He doesn't want 50%. He doesn't want 99% of you. He wants all of you. And that's the way it's supposed to be. we got to have a total commitment. And here's what I know about all of the teachings of Scripture, whether you're talking about dating or you're talking about money or you're talking about marriage or whatever else you want to talk about. Sooner or later, if God is not truly first, if you have not sold out to Him, you'll end up doing what you want anyway. That's why you got to make that decision. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.